0: We're going to be kind of up and down a little bit today, so come on a little bit early so we can, I want to kind of share some stuff and then interject it with prayer and, and things like that, if that's okay. Um, oh, just listen to this, it's Psalm 16, if you're looking for a, a scripture to follow. Keep me safe, O God, for in you I take refuge. I've said to the Lord, you are my Lord, apart from you I have no good thing. As for the saints who are in the land, they are the glorious ones in whom is all my delight. Ooh, tell someone next to you, hello, glorious one. I mean, You've done well if there's a lady called Gloria next to you. Or a man called Gloria, let's not go there. <clears throat> the sorrows of those will increase who run after other gods. I will not pour out their libations of blood or take up their flames on my lips. Their names, sorry, on my lip. they've got a very scribbled on Bible, so... Um, Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. You've made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I've set the Lord always before me. Because he's at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad. And my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest secure. Because you will not abandon me to the grave. Nor will you let your Holy One CDK. Can you see the prophecies of resurrection in there? You've made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. With eternal pleasures at your right hand. God has a good plan for you. Good, good plan for you. Lord, you've assigned me my portion and my cup. You've made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. I have a delightful inheritance. I suppose my question this morning might be, so you have an inheritance, are you enjoying it? Or, you know, one of the pictures I've used in times past is sometimes it's like we leave God's presence unwrapped under the tree. and We celebrate that we've got presence, but are we unwrapping them and enjoying them? And so, got a little bit, just a little bit of feedback coming back from this. I, I think I'm in the middle. Um, so I want to turn in your Bibles if you got them to the Book of Genesis. We're going to continue. Really, I kind of touched on some stuff uh, for Easter. We we ended up in Genesis with the voice of God being revealed to us once again because of the death and uh, and resurrection of Jesus. Um, And a couple of weeks before that, I spoke about the garden of destiny, that God has a garden of destiny for you. And um, so we're going to just do a brief recap, but then I want to land on some stuff that I didn't really uh, share that time. So Genesis, um, right at the beginning, (laughs) that's what a Bible should look like, anybody, right? Sell tape together and... Oh, this just, just smells right. You know what I mean? All the sweat of those big revival meetings, and it's, it's great. I love it. In the beginning, God. Right at the start of everything, God. Uh, before you, God. And here's the amazing thing. Uh, God made the world for you. He made a place for you to be. And he's spoken to the chaos and said, I want to make a place for you. John, Joan, Angela, Chris. I want to make a place for you to live in, and I want to make a place for you to thrive. And listen, that story has not changed. That is the narrative of heaven. That's what God's up to. He has no plans to harm you, just plans to give you a hope and a future. Come on. Is it, life's hard enough already, isn't it? Stop thinking that you're fighting the whole world, your own body, your own mind, and God at least God's on your side. Come on, have you noticed sometimes even you're not on your side? God is on your side. He's for you to bring you into a good place. He's a good, good father of hope and joy and healing and wholeness in every way. Shalom. Nothing broken, nothing missing is what it means. Absolute wholeness. That's what he's got for you. And so he does it by creating this world out of Out of chaos, he brings order and beauty. And uh, I'm going to have to write a book on the first 11 chapters of Genesis eventually because you, you could go all over with them so much. I mean, just think of what God does. He makes the world out of nothing. He's capable of that. But then you'll find through the story, don't just stop there. He also makes beautiful things out of something that already exists. He didn't make the animals out of nothing. He told the ground to bring forth animals. And out of the ground comes a deer. Imagine it. Imagine watching an elephant just... You know, a hippopotamus coming out of the ground. Because he spoke. Listen, God can make something out of nothing for your life and it be incredible. But he can also take the mess that you're in right now and speak to it. And beauty comes out of mud. Come on somebody, he can take the dust of your world and just speak to it. Into all of that darkness and chaos and confusion, he can just say, let there be light and suddenly everything changes. Who needs the voice of God to walk through their garden? Come on somebody, just one word, one touch from him and order and peace and wholeness He's just got to speak over your finances. He's just got to speak over your mind. He's just got to speak over the confusion in your world. Suddenly, order comes. That's how God, and I love, because this is what God really wants. All over Genesis 1, and God said this, oh, it's good. Then he said that, and something happened, and he went, it's good. And then another thing, that's good. And then another thing, do you know he only does good stuff? God doesn't do bad. If it's bad, stop blaming God. It's either not bad or it's you being dumb. A preacher's trick, I better include me in that one. Me being dumb too. It's either us being dull or it's the devil we have an enemy. But God only does good what's the line in the song if it's not good he hasn't finished something like that what's you know I can't remember the phrase now because God does good stuff go read Genesis 1 this week he only has good for you he's a good good father do you know what I mean oh some of you you know coming to church anybody Ah, I'm sure there's got to be at least a couple of people in the room dragged here either by a parent or a spouse or just dragged by duty and if you're dragged by your own conscience, it drags you like a nagging wife to church. God doesn't do boring. So if it's boring, you're wrong. Work with me. Well, either you're wrong or it's the preacher that's being boring, but work with me. Just on this. God wants this to be great. He wants it to be an adventure. He wants it to be fun. He doesn't want it to be a box that we tick and go, there, did it, hope God's happy, and off I go back to my miserable existence. No, God wants it to be good, 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 good. Good God. He wants it to be good. I spat then. Don't worry, it'll heal you. And then... He makes all this world and you kind of see it in macro. You see the big universe, the stars in the sky, the big things, the oceans and the lands. And and then the animals and there's myriads of them. And there's, there's murmurations in the sky and herds on the plains. And then it kind of comes right in in Genesis 2 to this place where it says, Now the Lord God had planted a garden. Any gardeners in the room? Come on, Bridget. God planted a garden, and who's it? wave your hand if you're into gardening. Right, you're all weird. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, concrete over the lawn, put some pots in. Sorry, I know, it's just, it's, it's heresy, it's my sin talking, it's not right. But half of us, well, maybe more than half, think gardening, yeah, you know, I've got other things to do. But God took the time and the intricacy to kneel down in the dirt and plant some trees for Adam and Eve to enjoy. And they weren't even there yet. They're gonna like this one. And you know, Eve, she's gonna like tulips, red ones. So we're gonna put a whole load along there. And daffodils over there. And some angel goes, what about mile a minute? You know, in the corner, no mile a minute in the Garden of Eden, thank you very much. Anybody knows what that is. No thorns, no thistles, beautiful plants. And then it says, and God put man in the garden. And just to give the real context, when he told him to rule and reign and subdue, it was like, so it's your garden. Make it flourish. Look after it. Steward it. Care for it. It's not about trampling on the tulips. It's about allowing things to grow. And protecting them and nurturing them and making it beautiful. And the picture here of this paradise, what else should I read? You've got to have a bit more Bible in because I am a preacher. Here we go. Now, the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord God had made all kinds of trees go out the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and, and good for food. And it says in verse 10, a river watered the garden. Oh, I like a good river. Anybody else? 15, and the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. That, that, was his, that was his job. I'll get the words out when my teeth get in. Yeah, that's enough. So here we go. There's a garden. It's a paradise. Eden is a paradise. Paradise literally means it's a walled garden. So here's the picture for your destiny. This is just recap. Here's the picture. God has a place for you. this is a picture of it. It's not a literal garden, so just use the picture with me. He has a sphere of grace for your life, a place where you flourish, and it's a beautiful place. You're supposed to stand in the middle of the place of influence he's given you and say, my boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places. We're not supposed to go, what a dreadful burden. No, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. If we get it right, we're supposed to be able to say, well, this is fun. This is good. This is enjoyable. This is beautiful. Look what the Lord has given me. Apart from him, I have no good thing. And here he's put me in this beautiful garden. Now, it's a beautiful garden, but it's a limited garden. It, it has a perimeter. You have a sphere of grace in life, but it is limited. But there's joy in limits, isn't there? I mean, it's quite confusing to think I could do anything. It's actually much better to say I can do anything within the realms of what God has given me to do. You can't do anything in Christ. You can do all things that he wants you to do in Christ. And so every one of us here has a garden with limits and a perimeter. And I suppose here's my first point, not that it's that kind of sermon. I'm heading towards a prayer meeting, really, so work with me. Um... Uh, God gives you a sphere of influence, do you know it? I, I suppose the, 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 the warning here is that many of us, and maybe as modern life, uh, causes us to be able to see so much. We're on we're information overload, aren't we? that half of us have a beautiful but weed-filled garden behind us while we're busy looking over the perimeter wall of the garden next door going, oh, they've got nice trees. Turn around and work your garden. What's God given you to do? What sphere of grace? And it's supposed to bring you joy. What sphere of grace does he have for you? And um, I, I likened, last time I spoke on this, the areas of grace, almost like the trees in the garden. So, work with me on this picture. Every one of you has a garden from God. It's got boundaries. And here's the, the, the picture that I want to use. He puts trees in your garden to cultivate, to steward, and to enjoy the fruit of. Now, these trees can be all kinds of things. I've got a little list here. Some of us have the... The tree of communication or of business or of finance. You, there are trees of your hobbies. You know, there are things that you enjoy that are trees that you should cultivate. Do you know, <clears throat> if you never cultivate the tree of the hobby you enjoy, you may never find out whether one day it could just pay for your retirement. <laughs> Some of us have hobbies that only stay like little um, uh, stunted bushes in the corner of our garden. And God said, I put that there. It can pay for your retirement if you start really enjoying the hobby I've given you. Oh, but God, it's just a hobby. It's just a silly thing. Who knows what's hidden in the future that God has for you in that area of creativity that he says, actually, it's not just creativity you love. There's a pot of money under that tree but you're ignoring it because you think it's insignificant. You're ignoring it because creativity makes you wear your heart on your sleeve and put yourself out there. Some of you are public speakers. It's hard to do what I'm doing right now. Do you know why? Well, sometimes when you're nervous, it's hard to get your words in a row. Couldn't say it then. <laughs> <clears throat> But the other thing is, every time you stand up to speak, every time you stand up to sing, every time you play someone a song you wrote, every time you show someone a picture you drew, you're putting your heart out there to be criticized. And so what do we do? Some of us do what Adam and Eve did when they fell. They started hiding. How many people have concreted over their paradise garden and saying, you know what? Those trees are too much hassle. I'll never be a good public speaker. I'll never be the painter or artist that I thought I could be. I'll never be the songwriter. I'll never start that business. I'll never take the thing that he put in my heart that I love. I just thought it's too hard. He's too harsh. It's too much work. And so we end up with a concrete courtyard that bears us no fruit. And we have to go buy fruit from the garden next door. Because someone is tending the trees God gave them. Do you know the trees in your garden? I draw little pictures in my journals. And I put a perimeter around my garden. Then I draw a little tree. Then I put a little word under it. That's one of your trees, Jared. Stop ignoring it. Cultivate it. Pray over it. Sow seeds into it finances into it thought into it read books about it try out every time you get an offer to have a go it's something like get in there because it's a tree that God wants to grow do you know the trees in your garden some of you it could be education could be teaching could be government could be it for, for all of us in the room in some way or another there's a tree called family and if we ignore it and concrete over it our families are dying behind us when actually they're supposed to bear fruit that feeds us into old age. People, relationships, all of us have those trees in our world. Media, healing, prophecy, teaching, pastoring, administration. Some of us are simply called to stand as pillars in the house of God. And when everything else is shaking, you're stable. Oh, Lordy, give me the stable people in a world full of drama queens any day. Give me the water carriers when the petrol carriers are running around making fires bigger instead of smaller. Some of you are pillars. Do you realize that's a tree in your garden? What's your ability just to stand and talk sense and keep going? Come on. Some of you great saints, you kind of say with a slight embarrassment, I'm just really good at plodding. Oh, do you know what? The older I get, the more I value plodding. Every January the 1st, all my detractors, I hope they see the tweet that says, I'm still here, still here doing what God's called me to do, plodding on with all that he's said to do, keeping going, because there's something valuable about plodding. Come on, plodders. I've got a plodding tree in my garden. (laughs) Still here. It's it's funny, isn't it? Um, I was thinking the other day, I was thinking about um, the difference between itinerant ministry and local church ministry, and I wasn't going to say this, but I've started now, so I'll have to say it. Um, I think the difference between itinerant ministry, because I've done both, 17 years of one and 15 years of the other. Itinerant ministry is a sprint. Local church ministry is a marathon. The stride is completely different. So come on, some of you pillars. It is a gift from God to just be able to say, still here, still Still sane. Still believe in the prophecies, still trust in God, still rooted in the house of God when so many fall away. Amen. And, and listen, this list, you, you could, come on, you could go anywhere with it, couldn't you? Some of you are anointed opticians, doctors, nurses. Some of you are interested in the mind. Some of you are interested in the body. Some of you are interested in people. Some of you love things. I mean, come on, techies in the room. I mean, you. Yeah. okay, I won't say what I was about to say now, Josh, because it'll sound, I, I, but, but I, you know, they say, you know, psychologists say that in gen, you know, stereotyping, which you cannot really do, so it's a huge brushstroke, but, you know, well, I'm not even going to go there anymore. The world doesn't let me. Half the population are into people, and the other half of the population are into things. And you just, you've got to know how you're white. I just love things. I mean people are complex, aren't they? Don't they drive you nuts? We're all called to love people, but some of us just go, you know, just give me a piece of wood and a plane and let me make something. Because I know when I put it in that in that in that vice, it ain't going anywhere. Not true of people, is it? <laughs> what are the trees in your garden? And are you cultivating them? So now I want to turn a corner. And I want to talk about three trees in Revive's garden, and we're going to pray about each of them. You know, sometimes when you cast vision, people want it to be strategy or a five-year plan. Pastors and prophetic people all over the world right now are saying, God is not handing out five-year plans at the moment. He is making us stay very close to him because we're in a very unusual time. It's actually very hard to lead at the moment because it's a very complex time. There are, there are churches, I know we're in a bit of a pause ourselves. I'm finding churches and ministries all over the world going, we're back into a pause because we were heading 90% right but not 100% right. And so there's little pauses going on. I, a f- church of a friend of mine, I, I just noticed uh, yesterday, they've literally said on their website our church is going behind closed doors for a while because we know we've got stuff that we just want to adjust because we're almost right for the new area but not quite right new era but not quite right and so there's lots of adjustment going on right now Um, and so sometimes it's hard to express things in measurables and in a clear kind of corporate organizational structure but you know what what you you can always do with your destiny maybe you don't quite know where you're going the next three years but here's a simple way to look at destiny and it's a biblical way is to simply say this I know what trees are in my garden they've borne fruit before and they'll bear fruit again this is how you overcome difficulty by the word of your testimony If you know where God has blessed you before... You go back there eventually when the right season hits, you're going to find fruit there again. If you did something that brought joy to your soul and fruit to your hands, you're going to find if you keep going back there, even if it's out of season, and you stay there, you're going to find the favor of God once again. If you used to work in government and it seems like the favor lessened for a while, stay there because seasons change, it's cyclical. If you keep going at it, you've gone through business, you've you've experienced much profit, but then bankruptcy, stay there. If God has put something in your heart, stay where he put you because favor will come back around again. Keep keep cultivating the tree he puts there. And I want to share three trees in the Garden of Revive that I know, I can't give you a five year plan right now, but I do know where God has put favor. There are more trees in this. It's a forest really, but let me share three big ones with you. Next year Revive will be one hundred years old. Are we gonna do something cool? Only my mum wants us to do something cool. The rest of us are gonna do something completely uncool. A hundred years. A little over a hundred years ago, Revive started as a ministry to children. And some of you in the days when we used to show a slideshow, well, not a slideshow, a PowerPoint, that's what the youngsters call it today, don't they? Of pictures of Revive when it started. you know Revive was started by a woman? Yay. <laughs> Again, only my mum is interested in this stuff and she's the one that knows it all, you know. Revive was started by a woman, Aunt Jenny Curtis, in the days when, you know, when it wasn't quite so fashionable for a woman to be leading a church. Even today, some people roll their eyes at things like that. But Revive was started by a woman, Aunt Jenny Curtis, and it was a ministry to children, and it was called the Fig Tree Gospel Mission. And if, if any of you know the story, there is a if there is a little crate out there that has the word if you, if you want it. This will be trailing through. I don't mind, but if you're uncomfortable, you just pop through those curtains there. Um, uh, Fig Tree Gospel Mission... Uh, during the, It must have been the First World War when the Zeppelins were going over and bombing Hull, that she had a cottage and she had a fig tree in the garden of the cottage. And while Hull was being flattened, um, she prayed to God, God, if you uh, preserve this cottage, this children's ministry will become a church and will move forward in God sort of thing. That kind of promise. And there is a photo somewhere of all the houses round about hers flattened, but her cottage and the fig tree in the garden still standing. The fig tree outside Bridlington Avenue is a cutting from that original fig tree. Just last weekend, we went and took 10 cuttings from that original fig tree that was from the original fig tree to plant in the new place that God will give us as we, as we track with him. Come on. We're going to keep the whole thing open, that God's protection. You honor history. You don't live in it, but you honor it. Let's have a few fig trees somewhere. I know it's weird because it's the thing that Jesus cursed, but, well, there's, there's a bit of a. Yeah, I know. It's a hard one, isn't it? We won't be calling it a fig tree anymore. Um, but, you know, that, that, what's the story of, the, of Jesus cursing the fig tree? It's because it was all leaves and no fruit. All the paraphernalia, but none of the power that's not who we want to be, is it? But this was a ministry to children, and there's something on this house with regards to the younger generation. Years ago, a man was in prison, been naughty, and uh, I think it was Christmas, wasn't it, Dad, when Jesus walked into David Taylor's cell I think it was Christmas. It's irrelevant whether it was really anyway. But God walked into David Taylor's cell and I think eventually my dad became his his chaplain. So David became part of Revive when he thankfully got saved, came out of prison, all that kind of thing. And today having bought land in Colombia is feeding, clothing, educating, bringing the gospel to over 1,500 children every week across, across, along the coast of Colombia. There's something on the Revive family for children. David was just telling me the other day that, that they've just partnered with a work in Bethlehem as well. Yes, the Bethlehem. Come on. There's stuff on this house. I think of the stuff that Leone's done around the world, um, in, in Honduras, in America... In Moldova, I haven't, we haven't shown people that plaque yet. Do you know that there are Moldovan orphans enjoying some facilities that we put money in to create? And there's a plaque and it's got Hope, Hope for Justice, Heart for Justice logo and a revived Church logo on it. Orphans in Moldova affected by the war being impacted by the work of this church. Chris just came to me just before the service and said, Jillian's asked next door that can, can we do something for the next couple of weeks where at 11 o'clock, if any adult goes through to the kids' work, they'll be prayed for for healing. Should we do that the next two weeks? We'll have a little stop point. Anybody need healing? You go next door and the kids are going to pray for you. There's, there's something on this house regarding the young. And... So that's a tree that's borne fruit and is still bearing fruit. Please don't underestimate because you don't see it that there aren't thousands of children being impacted by the revived family every week around the world. But who wants to pray to God today? God, just more. We want to put some fertilizer on that tree and say, we see it's a tree in our garden. We want to protect it from the enemy. We want the sun to shine in it. We want the fruit to grow big and large. We see what you're doing, God. We recognize your hand. And we say, rather than looking across the road to go, well, that church does that and that church does that, you've got to look in your own garden and say, right, what's God put there? Thousands of children around the world have been saved, healed, and impacted by the work of the revived family. As about we pray, God, do more do more. Because it's a tree that's, that's bearing fruit. Now, sometimes you might look at certain areas and go, yeah, but it doesn't look like it's bearing fruit right now. Yeah, it's called winter. Every ministry, every area goes through times of fallowness and less happening. But I guarantee if you stand by that tree long enough, fruit will start to appear again. As surely as God's word stands firm in the heavens. His word is a seed, remember. The seed will bring forth what he's spoken. That's our God. So what I want us to do first for a few moments this morning is I want us to pray, God, we want a move of God among the youth. We want to, we've just received a whole load of money for youth workers in Kingswood, by the way, funding so that we can increase the youth work and begin to reach unsaved youth on Kingswood, just like we're doing in Gould. You know, teams go out on the street every week in Gould, there's clubs in Gould, and we're going to start the same thing in Kingswood. Who's ready for God to do something? Come on, right? So God, I want us to pray, and I want us to cry out, God, we want a move of God among the youth. Now, some of us don't recognize what is going on, so perhaps feel a bit discouraged. But even in winter, there's loads of good stuff going on right now. But we're crying out, God, we want more. We want increase. Amen. So come on, stand with me. Rob, why don't you just play a few chords in the background? I just want us to get a bit mighty in prayer for a few moments. Uh, just close your eyes and just, just focus for a second. There's a tree in Revive's garden. And in the last hundred years, thousands of children have been saved, healed, and impacted by what God's done through us. God, we want more. We, we don't say phrases like thousands have impacted us out of ego, but out of recognition. Because God, actually, in many ways, right now, we feel a little bit barren. And so we're coming to cry out, Do it again, do more, make it bigger. So come on, begin to pray in tongues for a moment. Begin to pray for our young people, our children, our youth. Pray for David in Colombia. Pray for Leonie and her work in Moldova and other places around the world. Pray for the youth clubs in Goul, in the Quadrant. Pray, pray, pray for this new youth club on Kingswood. Begin to call out to heaven, God, we want your anointing to fall on the young. We want them to experience your glory and your presence. The best days are ahead of us. Spirit of the living God fall afresh he's here that's it let the Holy Spirit pray through you God we want a greater harvest than ever before the Holy Spirit falling on our children right now as they meet with the revival kids team the Holy Spirit falling on our youth the Holy Spirit falling God, we thank you for recent growth in the in the ghoul campus, but we pray more children, more youth. As the older generation, we take responsibility to pray them in. We pray for our own children, our grandchildren, nieces and nephews, and we cry for a move of God. We pray for ministries like Label of Love across the city. God, we know. There's so much more that we need to see. But everything good comes from you. And so this morning, we call to you, God, to cultivate this tree of impacting young people in Holland, East Yorkshire, and around the world. Increase, God. God, at times, even when funding is available, just like like you said, Jesus, the labourers are few. It's hard to get the workers, God. And we call out. Bring laborers to the harvest, youth workers, kids workers, youth pastors, youth ministries. God, we ask for a releasing of the laborers for this area of ministry. Increase it, we pray. Anoint David Taylor and Darry. Anoint others in this family of ministries, God, to impact thousands around the world. A move of God among the young. That's what we call for. A move of God among the young. 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 God, when we hear stories of what's happening in schools and what's happening with gender and sexuality and morality. God, we know we need nothing less than a move of God in our nation. Raise up ministries and churches. Raise up men and women that will begin to fight for the young, for a move of God. God, we hear of revivals as recently happened in Ashbury in America of young students crying out in repentance and we cry out do it in Hull do it in Hull University do it in our schools do it in Driffield Lord God do it in the region do it in Beverley God we want a move of your spirit among the young we cannot do it but you can God and so we call to you for a move among the young salvation Healing, repentance, clarity. Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. Jesus, Jesus. We prophesy that revival be full of young people, full of children experiencing the power and the presence of God walking as men and women of God, holy, equipped, loved, cherished, sent out. God, fill our quivers, fill our quivers, fill our quivers, fill our quivers quivers with arrows for the battle, young men and women. And God, it does seem as though in times past, I know at the moment there is a there's a there's a famine of people feeling feeling called to ministry. I know that when I was young, oh heck, we were always having altar calls for young people in ministry and there was tears and kneeling and repentance and crying and longing to give your all for God. Anybody else? want that same spirit to come back into the church that we would that 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 the finest would want to step into labor for the harvest i know there's lots of ways to do it but that a fear of god would grip us again and we want to give our all for the harvest come on just pray that with me one moment god raise up laborers Call people. Let a a Holy Spirit come and commission people. Captivate the hearts of of youth to be drawn into ministry, to be drawn into serving in whatever way that you have for them. An empty garden is nothing without a man or a woman to steward it and grow it and develop it. God, raise up those who will minister to the young, we pray. Jesus' name, Jesus' name, Jesus' name, Jesus' name. All right, take your seats for a moment. I'm going to turn a corner, otherwise we'll run out of time. Could you just keep playing real quiet in the background? Is that okay? And you know, another, it's one thing with the tree in in your garden or in Revives to identify a people group, like we've just spoken about children and and young people. But here's another thought. Have you identified the the geographic trees in your garden, where you have an anointing to be. My, my grandparents, every time somebody mentioned Gibraltar, they would begin to cry. And it took them quite a while to work out. They were so moved with emotion about a geographical place, it was the call of God eventually they moved there then eventually we moved there and even today we still have a heart I'll be there at the end of May we still have a heart there's something about Gibraltar I found that in my ancestry one of my ancestors was admiral of the port in Gibraltar just sometimes there's geography in your spiritual DNA and that's why you feel moved when you think of that nation or that city or that place any of you have that here? think of it are you ignoring it or do you just think it's a holiday destination no maybe it's a tree you need to cultivate i just can't help it india's on my heart india's not on my heart curry's on my heart right, India. and of course let let's do a real simple one for revive hull in east yorkshire at our jerusalem we love parts of the world. There's something about South America, something about Southern Europe. I mean, different ones if you have. If you're part of this family, wherever's on your heart is now on Revive's heart. That's the way it works. And, uh, but there's something about Holland East Yorkshire. I remember being in a meeting years ago, and I'm telling these stories on purpose. Some of you will have heard them, but you overcome by your stories. So you need to know the Revive stories if you're in the Revive family. they're our history they they show us where we overcome and I remember going up to Sunderland and Jean Darnell was speaking and if you remember Jean Darnell and her amazing prophecies in the 60s I think it was about revival in the UK and she said lots of accurate things but this was now 2010 and she was in Sunderland and there was about 120 pastors got together. I remember being in the meeting, she'd, she'd shared a word, we'd worshipped and, and then at the end, all of us pastors were kind of grouped in huddles, praying, you know, maybe six to eight people in each huddle. And we're all praying away in tongues like pastors do. It was, it was mighty, Keith. Oh, you know, we were going for it and all that kind of thing. And, and then I suddenly heard Jean Darnell's voice, American prophetess, she was she's with the lord now and she began to shout down the microphone fire from the humber up through east yorkshire fire from the humber up through east yorkshire i thought you'd like that fire from the humber up through east yorkshire now as far as i know she'd never been to hull didn't know what the humber was she might do Has she been to hull she has okay but I don't know if she knows what the Humber is. We were nowhere near it, didn't know that people from Hull were there. And I was hearing this shout across the room, fire from the Humber up through I nudged the leader with me and said, can you hear what Jean is saying? And he looked behind me and looked on the platform. He said, she isn't saying anything. She's just sat there silently. But I'd heard her shouting, but she hadn't. People say of Acts chapter 2, was the hearing of different languages a miracle of speech or a miracle of hearing? You can read the scripture either way. It may be that they weren't using those language, but everybody heard the correct language. It was a redemption of the Tower of Babel. Suddenly, they could all understand each other. It's part of heaven's restoration. So there I am in Sunderland, fire from the Humber up through East Yorkshire. I remember, uh, came back to Hull, just fascinating. what does it mean you know isn't prophecy frustrating sometimes it's all fires and eagles and roses and you think well that's not practical what do we do with that and in the end as a church we we put the church on pause we closed down loads of the surfaces and we just sought God for the summer of 2010 until we find out what this word means and at that time we were one congregation in the middle of Hull and that's what we did And as we sought God over the summer, it kind of dawned on us, fire spreading across the region. And so we thought, well, what stops us hiring a few little village halls and town halls and going, not planting churches as such, but starting services? And so... We as a church began to hit the streets, praying and walking. We put 100—I think it was 110 or 130,000 postcards through doors, inviting people to services. We prayed, we sought God, we did openers, we did all kinds of stuff, and then we opened the doors. And for the next about 15 months, in 15 months. I had 300 I said yes to Jesus cards on my desk of people that had given their lives to Christ and we gone out and spread fire across the region. And all the stuff we seek to do regionally, planting campuses or churches or locations or outreach locations, with all kinds of variations, it's all part of this theme. God has given, never become exclusive when a preacher says something like this or egotistical, but God's given us a region to reach. I don't care how big Revive gets. I care that 600,000 people hear the gospel. That's all that matters. I don't care what church they go to. I don't care what congregation they gather in. God has said to us, he will have said it to others too, uh, the the leader at Vineyard who I love to bits. He's a wonderful young man and he's got the same vision now. Come on, little location. It doesn't all have to be in one place. And so we're all beginning to do similar things. Why the region needs to be reached fire across the region. And I don't know what shape, I can't give you a five-year plan, whether they're churches, church plants, campuses, outreach locations, missional communities, house groups, I don't care, but we have a mandate from heaven to go reach this region. And I want more 15-month periods where 300 people come to Christ, come on. And there's baptism after baptism after baptism after baptism. It's a tree in our garden. We need to be cultivating the trees he's given us. Come on, kings and priests. We need to say God has given us this region, given it to others too, but he's given us this region. And we want to see hospitals transform, the police force transform, government transform, media education. We want to see change in this region. God has given us the region. I've recently moved house and... There was a few practical reasons why we moved house to where we are. But also, there's a deep spiritual reason. Do you know the Bible says that you're seated in heavenly places? Yeah? You know that scripture? They're plural places. We're not all seated in the same place. Okay, I, I'm going to go up here for a minute. If it doesn't make any sense, just let it go. But there are seats of authority in the heavenly realms right across this region and there's a place for you to sit. The devil doesn't want you to sit there because it's going to release something. Maybe in a street or a region or a suburb or a town. Maybe a city. And so Vicky and I have been through really, I would say, a year of hell. Since March last year until March this year, it has been an extremely difficult year. Then a prophet came to us and said, the land is trying to vomit you out. And then I've been with some some bishops and apostles recently who said, listen, there is a fight to stop churches and ministers occupying the seats of authority that God has for them. And there is a fierce attack from the enemy to stop us standing and sitting in the places he's told us to be. Why? Because it's going to release something. So just catch this. Um, uh, so Vicky and I moved and we, 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 we finally got in. And um, a couple of months before we actually got in, a prophetic friend of mine wrote and said, I just found out that you're moving house. That's really interesting because God said to me that he wants to put you six miles north of Hull. And I saw a whole river being opened up that washed down and impacted all of Hull somehow. Are you by any chance six miles north of Hull? We said, yes, we're exactly six miles north of Hull. And God has told us to be exactly in this location because it's going to release something. Do you know that we're in the vicinity of where the original monks that created Hull were based? In Mew, six miles north of Hull. There is a vicinity that created... Oh, I love Lego bread. You know, sometimes you're in your... Can I use this? Sometimes you're wrestling to find things fit into place. And I've had a year of this. It's been very painful for me personally and for my family. But I know God right now is going, right, that's where you're supposed to be. It's the same with you. There are seats of authority you're supposed to sit in. And the devil is going to do everything to try and stop you. He doesn't mind you singing songs. doesn't mind you coming to church. But don't you take authority over your home or that workplace or that region. I don't mind you being a Christian. I just want you to be a weak one, a confused one, one with terrible imposter syndrome, one who finds it all boring, not realizing. It's kingship. You're supposed to be sat in a place of authority. And don't you dare abdicate that place. I'm here today to say there is a seat in this region that God wants this church to sit in, and we need to go sit there. There is an apostolic age for this region that's about to burst forth, and God is putting us in geographical positions that are perfect for what he's about to do, but the enemy doesn't want you there. He wants you discouraged, offended, rejected. No, let God sit you in the seat he's got for you and you watch the authority that's released. There's a fight for the future going on right now. But God's given us this region. Who wants to pray? Come on God, we want to sit in the heavenly places, individually and corporately that you've got for us. We reject every attack of the enemy to disturb us, distract us, to move us, to make us desolate, to make us depressed, to make us disappointed. We shake off the lack of faith, the doubt, the unbelief. We shake off the disappointment of the long journey. And we're going to sit in the places of authority you have for us. And we're going to rule and reign in love and stewardship and care and grace. Come on, stand with me and begin to pray. God is repositioning people where they should be. And it's going to click like a Lego brick together. Perfect time in there. Spirit of God, come on, pray, 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 pray. Go along with others. We believe you've given us this region. You've given us this region to rule and reign and see harvest and love and care and joy and peace. Father God, and we release your anointing. We reject every attack of the enemy. Every Jezebel, we bind in Jesus' name. Every Absalom spirit, we bind in the name of Jesus. Every spirit of fear and spirit of offense, we bind in the name of Jesus. And we release the power of the King of Kings into this church. Father God, we thank you that you are positioning us For greater days, for greater influence, you're placing your people in certain places to open the lock gates of blessing, to release waves of blessing into the quadrant, into Beverly, into Driffield, into Market Wheaton. We release, we release. Father God, position your people. We bind every attack of the enemy. And Father God, we say, let there be a harvest in this region greater than ever. Greater than ever. Let there be a harvest in this region. Send forth laborers. Send forth laborers. Send forth laborers. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Father God, I pray for every individual, every family here, there is a heavenly seat that we're to be sat in. Fathers and mothers, sit in the seat of authority in your home. When you go into work, sit on the seat of authority. That doesn't mean be brash, try and take over. It means be salt and light and transform with care and love. Be as wise as a serpent. Don't even use the language of authority. Take over with love and care and humility and bring the kingdom in. It's the meek that inherit the kingdom, not the Balshi. Spirit of the living God, teach us to rule and reign wherever we are, our streets, our neighborhoods, suburbs, schools, surgeries, wards. Father God, where the enemy has tried to get us out of our seat, we reject that in the name of Jesus. We release the hand of God for us to be seated in heavenly places. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Take a seat for a moment. I'm going to do one more, and I've got five minutes, which makes it impossible. So look, one tree is children and young people. It's been there 100 years. 100 years, wow. Holland East Yorkshire, 100 years of touching this region. I love it. Huh. And there's, I didn't even know what to call this tree. But there's the tree of, uh, well, Dad, I think when you preached the other week, you called it House of Glory. So I'm going to use the glory word. We were made to be a place of the presence, of worship, of encounter, of God moving. Amen? In, in 1996, I was flying to South Africa, and I had a vision of the glory of God in the night, and... Uh, and it continued night after night for six weeks. And I saw the United Kingdom touched by the glory of God. Parliament, hospitals. Do you know that entire deaf hospitals have been emptied in the past? Who knows that God wants to do it again? Empty because everybody got healed. Right. Right. God wants us to be a house of glory filled with his presence. The amount of times unsaved people have walked among us and even begun to physically shake under the presence of God. So what is that? Well, it's, it's God. If I'm a bit cheeky, I say it's God saying hello. Sometimes you pray for them. And they fall down under the power of the Holy Spirit. And they're like, what was that? It was God. And they give their lives to Christ. Um, oh, I don't have time to do this justice. I know God wants to move, us, move among us in his glory and in his power again. Amen. It's, there's times when you think, well, that tree's a little bit, it's fallow, it's winter. But I don't know about you, I sense the Holy Spirit. He wants to move among us in his glory. Do you know, this hasn't happened for a while. Um, Let me think now. Twelve years ago, God moved in a weekend conference that we had. And that week, a whole load of, I'm going to talk like, like pastor and congregation for a minute. A whole load of you came and said, you must open the church every night so we can pray. Now, I haven't had that for 12 years. I don't blame anyone. I just want to show how much of God's presence was bubbling in us that we were like, we've got to meet. If we don't meet, we'll die. And you came in and you laid your kids around the edges of the room and we, we just lay before God for several hours each evening. And the miracles became so commonplace that in the end, even the BBC turned up and did a program on the miracles. Because that's what happens. When God comes to church, God-like things start to happen. And right now, I'm standing, looking at this tree in our garden, going, well, that's who we're supposed to be. Call it a house of prayer, a house of encounter, a house of glory, a house of worship. I don't even know what to call it, but I just know we're supposed to be a people that... Oh, can I change the picture? We dig a well to drink of the glory of God. Then our job is to guard it. And here's what I think is going to happen. People are going to come and drink from that well. Some of them from our church, but I think some from all over the world, as they have done many times in the last hundred years. And they drink. And as they drink of this well of glory, it's almost like revive, oh, Another picture turns into an airport departure lounge and missions get sent off all over the world, starting schools in Colombia, changing the government in Moldova, touching South America, Africa, Australia. Because something happens when you drink, not of religion, but you drink of God himself. Suddenly, there's a, a way that he sends you. He sends you. Ekbalai, I think the word is in the original language. You're led, you're sent out, you're thrust into the purposes of heaven. The moment you drink of God, Two-thirds of God is go. Work it out. You start to drink of God. You start to get a, got to go, got to go. And it might be to the next street down or it might be to the next nation down. But go begins. I believe we're supposed to be a house of glory that sees people restored and healed and set back, people that have been broken by religion, transformed in the presence of God, then they get all right. The brightness comes back to their eyes and off they head around the world to transform the world. Who's ready for a church with lots of coming and going and coming and going around the world? A family of ministries, a family of charities, people called to go transform nations. My only job really is to be the lock gatekeeper, which I was in Hull 30 years ago. I'm just here to open the lock gate and let the flow come in so you can drink and thousands of others like you and then go transform the world with what he puts on your heart. There is a tree in our garden called the tree of glory. Can we pray that that tree begins to bear fruit again? Come on, I need your help. It's a five-minute blast. God, we want your glory moving among us like never before. We want a building, a place, some land, a barn, whatever, to put that glory in so people can come from across the world and experience your presence and your glory and your strength. We want to see people restored. We want to be in a place where seven days a week you can drink from the well of God's glory. Heavenly Father, would you move among us once again? Would you move among us once again? Glory of God, glory of God, stir. Stir, just raise your voices to heaven. Say, God, I need you. God, I need you. Let the tree bear fruit. Let the well be opened where the wells have been filled in by tiredness and disappointment, by the pauses of heaven and by the failure of man. God, open up the wells of your glory again. Turn this into a place of your presence and your power. Turn this into a place of your moving. Turn this into a place of restoration. Turn this into a place where the young are transformed by your glory, where the old are transformed by your glory, where people that are weary are recommissioned once again, healed and sent out and touched governments and medicine and children and old men and young men let it be a place father god that touches the world because of your glory not because of our cleverness spirit of the living god we recognize the tree of glory stands in our garden god move move when we gather move when we scatter and god we do pray as we've been praying For some years, God, we know there's land that you have for us, a place to dig a well of glory and see people come from around the world seven days a week. God, give us that land. I believe you want it to be so miraculous, which is why in so many ways it's failed so far. It had to become miraculous. And God, we stand at the River Jordan unable to cross without a miracle. But God, we cast ourselves before you and we accept the trees that you've placed in our garden and we say, God, so Lord, we need somewhere to do this. We actually need a garden. We actually need a garden. We actually need a building, a barn, anything, somewhere to meet and encounter you seven days a week. We actually need a place that people could come and experience your presence moving, God. It's really hard to do this in an hour and a half on Sunday mornings. God, we need, and so God, we say, would you stretch forth your hand? Would you remember us as we remember your purpose for us as a church? Would you remember us, Father God? Would you remember us and move among us once again, greater than ever before? move among us once again, Spirit of the Living God, Reshi. Does anybody want to pray something out? Just go for it.